Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, can we give it up for our band as well? Come on, give it up for our band. And church, I love that song that we sang specifically today. The song went like this, bring all of your failures. Bring all of your addictions and leave them at the foot of the cross. Hey, aren't you glad that we have a God that even when we stumble, even when we suffer, even when we are not at our best, we can come before our Lord and He will always welcome us. Are you grateful for that, church family? Come on, let's go up to the Lord. And let me pray for us today before we begin. My Lord God, we are just so grateful of your abundant mercy in our lives and all of our sufferings and all of our failures and all of our addictions, oh Lord. My God, you still welcome us with open arms and we can run to you for help. And so, Father, I pray now that as we open your holy word, my God, I pray that you would open the eyes of your servants, of your children. And Father, may not only we be able to understand and receive your truth, but Father, also convict us, O oh Lord, so that we can then walk in obedience in a way that glorifies you. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, give, give another shout to pray and uh, praise to the Lord, amen. Hey, well, welcome church family. My name is Omar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here, to, uh, here at Christ Fellowship. And if it's your first time here with us, listen, we are so glad, we are honored that you've decided to join us uh, on this weekend. Uh, we are on our third week of a series called The Conversationalist, uh, where we have been tackling really complex issues in society today. And first of all, we hear from God's Word, right? We go to God's Word, we hear a message, and then we sit down with someone in the field of that topic to further discuss it. And so this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and for, the, for this week and next week, we're going to be tackling mental, uh, uh, mental health issues, and specifically today, we're going to be tackling the topic of addiction. And so listen, I'm eager and ready to dive into God's Word. Uh, you are as well on our campuses, yeah? All right. And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. And you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your what? All of your what? Yeah, all of your anxieties. Everything you have inside of you, listen, cast all of your anxieties on him because he what? He cares for you. In other words, when the pressures of life start building up in your soul, in your heart, listen, 
you know who to go to, the Lord Almighty. Amen? That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, last week I shared with you that uh, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. And usually when I would get home from school, my mom was still at work. She would work till about 5 or 6 in the afternoon. So my grandma was in the kitchen getting food ready for us for, for, for that day. But follow me here. Because once in a while, whenever I would get home from school, I would walk into the kitchen and I would hear a very specific sound. And that sound was a sound of a pressure cooker. Yeah. Now, Hispanic grandmas, abuelas, right? They don't use those fancy electric pressure cookers, right? They use those old school pressure cookers with that release valve in the, in the top. You guys remember those? That sound, yeah, that, yeah, you guys remember that sound? How many of you remember that by any chance? Yeah. Oh, yeah, many Hispanic grandmas we got here in the, in the room, right? But anyway, now, if you're young, let me just give you a quick overview how all of this works, how a pressure cooker works. Because when, the, when you first set this pot on that heat, it begins to acquire pressure inside of the pot little by little. But folks, after a prolonged time on that direct heat, here's what happens. The pressure starts building more and more and more and more, right? And folks, it can, to the point that if it doesn't have a way to release that pressure, it could literally explode. But folks, when the pressure gets to a certain level, what, what does it do? What does it do? Right? It starts releasing all that pressure through that physical release valve, right? And, and you know that sound. You know, when the pressure's really high, it starts making that sound like... You guys remember that sound, right? Right? And so what that's indicating, right, that at that moment, that pot has so much pressure inside of it that it needs to release it in one way, shape, or form. And the way that it does it is through that physical release valve. And church, let me just bring that little story over to our time together. Because, folks, what a picture of what happens inside of our hearts, inside of our minds. And, and, and by that I mean, that, listen, that just like that pressure cooker, when it cannot contain that pressure any longer, right, finds a way to release that pressure just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we dive into God's Word. Listen, when we face the pressures of life, when you and I face the pains of life, the anxieties of life, listen, our souls are designed to seek relief in one way, shape, or form. And church, we're going to either seek that in God or we're going to seek that in something else. Amen? And who knows, maybe you're here watching online or maybe at one of our campuses and the moment that you saw that little video of a pressure cooker, it almost kind of reveals or describes who you are and how you're feeling. Because some of us right now, you know, we're at church and we're pretending like everything's fine. But the truth of the matter is that you're going through a lot in your life. There's pressure at work, whether it's uncertainty of work or too much work or lack of work. Maybe you're facing pressures at home, in your marriage, with your children. Maybe you're facing pressures financially. 
You see all the bills that are coming in every single month, and you don't know how you're going to be able to make means end by the end of the month. Or maybe it's health issues. And the reality is that you're here at church, you have a smile on your face, but the truth of the matter is that you feel so much pressure inside of you, and you don't know what to do with it. You're probably wondering, well, Omar, when I face, when I experience all that pressure inside of me, what do I need to know to release it in a way that honors God? Well, we're going to find out from 1 Peter chapter 5, all right? So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. You can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along there with us. Or you can also follow along in the listening guides that you received on the way in. And folks, today I have three thoughts for us on how to deal with all the pressure that we experience in life, all right? So write this down as point number one. The first thing we need to know is that it is normal. It is normal for the human soul to experience pain and anxiety. Now, church, let's go back to the passage for today and listen to what it says. So it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your what? Anxiety. Anxiety. Stop right there for a moment. And slip into the scene because the book of First Peter revolves around the Apostle Peter writing to a collection of churches, a group of churches in Asia Minor, who were going through a very difficult moment. You see, they were really dispersed all throughout Asia Minor, and some of them, or most of them, had lost their home, their finances. They were they had uh, uh, substantial uh, financial instability. Others were being persecuted for their faith. Some of them had lost people in their family because of this persecution. And so these people were severely discouraged. And so Peter knows that when we go through hard seasons in life, listen, we're going to experience pain and anxiety in our lives. You know, sometimes when we start a walk with the Lord, our Christian life, sometimes whenever we feel anxiety in our hearts or pain or pressure, Sometimes we feel guilty, right? Because sometimes we think, yeah, if my walk with Christ was so strong, if I'm doing so with my walk, I wouldn't be feeling this way. But the truth of the matter is that the most mature believer among us, listen, we're going to experience anxiety. We're going to experience pain and fear and all these different feelings. But folks, when you do that, when you, when you are experiencing those types of emotions, here's what you need to know. Write this down as letter A. And that is that God wants us to seek relief in him. In fact, listen carefully to what the passage states. It says this. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting all of your anxieties on who? On who? On him. Because he cares for you. See, folks, when your heart is filled with anxiety, with pain, with whatever feeling you're dealing with, listen, what God intends for you is to seek relief in him and not in the things of this world, amen? And folks, not only because he cares for you, because the Lord cares for you, but ultimately, listen, it's because he is the only one 
that could go into the deepest corners of your heart, in the caverns in your soul that no one could ever reach. And he's the only one that could give you the lasting rest and peace that you need. See, folks, that is why our Lord said this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Listen, are you heavy laden this morning? Are you heavy laden? Then listen, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. See, folks, there has to come a point in your life that you humble yourself. And you go to the Lord. And I love it because at the beginning of this passage, it says, humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But you know the sad truth is that for so many people who know Christ as Savior, who've experienced his forgiveness of sin, who have a relationship with him, Oftentimes, listen, we don't humble ourselves. We don't humble ourselves. And what happens is that we start seeking relief and rest in other things in this world. Folks, and that is where sin comes into the picture. In fact, write this down as modern B. Sin is when we seek relief in something else other than God. You know, we can describe sin in many different ways, but for the, today's context, one of the ways that you can evaluate sin in your life is when you go to something other than God to find that lasting peace or relief. And folks, the reason that it is sin is because God has told us, God has told you, listen, I am the one who created your soul. I know the inner workings of your soul. I know everything about you, and I am the only one who can give you the rest and the relief that you seek for every single day. And listen, when we reject those promises of God, when we say, Lord, I know that's what you're saying, but I'm going to go find something somewhere else, listen carefully, at the core of that, it is sin. And here's the thing, though. When we do reject those promises of God and we go to other things in life, listen carefully, you will find relief, temporary relief, right? You know, when you go to the things of this world, you're going to find relief, but it fades pretty quickly, right? Why? Because they're not designed to give you the the, the rest and the comfort and the relief that you're seeking. So because they are not designed for that, the relief is brief, and now, listen carefully, because you went and you experienced a little bit of relief, you say, you know what, I'm going to go back to that, and back to that, and back to that. And folks, listen, when you start going back and back, listen, that is where addiction begins to develop. In fact, write this down as big number two. Addiction, then, is the habitual seeking of relief in something other than God. So get it. Every time you go to something else in this world that is not God to find that comfort, that relief you're seeking, that's sin. But the moment you go to that over and over and over, now 
it becomes the sin of addiction. Now, when we think of addiction, right, it's, it's, a, it's a word that carries a, a, a very heavy stigma. The moment that we think of addiction, which probably everyone here is thinking, if we think of the big ones, right, first of all, we think of alcoholism. We can, when we think of someone who's uh, addicted to alcohol, we think of someone who repeatedly goes to the bottle and takes every single day alcohol, whether people realize it or not, they're taking it. So we think of alcoholism as one form of addiction. The other one is drugs, right? When we think of someone who's an addict, we think of a drug addict, someone who's going to some sort of substance and abuses that substance and goes over and over and over to that substance. We think of tobacco, we think of cigarettes, right? Someone's addicted to cigarettes, to tobacco, and so every single day, multiple times, they smoke a pack a day, and for us, we think, okay, they're addicted to cigarettes. And then the other one that we think of, the big one that we think of is pornography, right? When someone goes over and over and over to uh, look at a magazine or look at it in the internet, and they look at pornographic images, right? Sometimes we have those images. But folks, here's what I want to help us understand. Even though all those things are addictions, right, the reality is that addiction goes way further than just those three, four, five things that we think of. First of all, listen, you can be addicted to social media, for example. I know so many of us right now are putting down our cell phones slowly. They're just turning off that Instagram and sliding them into the pocket, right? Yeah, I know how it is, right? So, so we can be addicted to social media. Uh, we can be addicted to shopping. Oh, yeah. We can be addicted to shopping that we have to go shop and shop and shop as a form of releasing stress or whatever the case may be. Uh, we can, it could be hobbies. It could be sports. It could be ba basically anything in our lives could actually become an addictive behavior. The other day I just heard that someone's addicted to soap operas. That's all they do every day is for hours on end. Yeah, it's, it's, watch, it's watch soap operas. And so addiction can take many forms. See, the big mistake you can do right now is to disconnect. It's not for me. I don't smoke. I don't drink. Listen, we all are able to become addicted to certain things. But folks, here's what I want to highlight. And we're going to talk a little more about that in a few moments. But what I want to highlight is that when one looks at a specific addiction of any sort from the outside, it's easy for us to focus on the physical action, right? When someone you see someone alcoholic, you, you focus on the actual drinking. When you see so, drugs, you focus on that. Social media, you focus on the phone, right? It's easy for us to focus on the physical action when in reality, it goes much, much deeper than that. In fact, write this down as letter A. The physical action of an addiction is always an outward symptom of a root issue. You know, one time, a few years back, I was asked by a couple, uh, a married couple, to come to their home. Um, they wanted to speak with me, so I thought maybe they're having some marital issues and there was some counseling, so I went over their home. And I sat down with them, we got a cup of coffee, and so I said, okay, so, so, so guys, how can I help you, you know, how can I serve you? And I was thinking, again, they were going to tell me some marital issues, but the reality was that the wife said, well, my husband is addicted to marijuana. And I had 
would never have thought that. And he's like, yeah, man, I, 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 you know, I'm into pot and all these different things. So I started talking about this issue. And, you know, the wife was just telling me how she was just simply focused on the actual action of, smoke, of smoking, the, you know, smoking pot. And so I asked the husband, listen, when you go to this substance, have you ever evaluated when you do it and how you're feeling? He said, not really. So I said, so, so when do you do that? Well, usually, Omar, it's whenever I'm stressed out, uh, you know, I had a bad day at work, or maybe I just got in a blow-up fight with my wife, and so I just need to, I, I used to get away, and I said, exactly. And what I helped them understand on that night was this, that the bigger sin here is not, when in God's eyes, the, the sin here is not so much that someone will put a little rolled up piece of paper to the, to, the lip of their, to their lip of the mouth. The bigger sin here is that every single time you feel pressure, if you feel stress, instead of going to Christ, you're going to this one thing over and over and over. And so in the eyes of God, that is a bigger issue. The bigger issue is not the little physical action. It's what's going on inside of your heart. And folks, listen, in the same way, you can apply that to every single addiction that we, that we, that we experience. For example, pornography. You know, so many people think that pornography is just, oh, someone who's lustful, which, by the way, affects men and women the same, women as much as men, so there's no, it's not only a men issue. But the reality is pornography is not just only lust, but rather when you start digging deep into the heart of that person, you re it reveals that they have some sort of sexual frustration, a sexual depression, and the way they're trying to cope with it is to go to pornography. You know, when you look at something, for example, like alcohol, you know, we just think it's just oh, someone just drinking and addicted to the actual alcohol. The reality is oftentimes it's not every time. If you look at the heart of an alcoholic, there's some sort of pain there. Some sort of pain from the loss of a person, uh, from a disappointment in life, discouragement, a failed relationship. And the way that they try to numb that pain is through the bottle. When you look at things, for example, like smoking. Smoking, oftentimes, a picture that we all, have see, that we all see is someone who's stressed out between work and work breaks, and they take cigarette after cigarette, packs and packs and packs. And so it's not that just, they just enjoy smoke, smoking. The reality is that they're trying to deal with something in their heart, and they do it through cigarettes. Another common one is social media. You know, there are people out there that they really have a crisis of a self, uh, of uh, an identity crisis inside of their heart. And so there's something in their heart that what they're doing is they're trying to find approval and find their identity any which way or form, right? And so the way that is manifested is that throughout their life, throughout the day, all they do all the time is take selfies and more selfies and more selfies and post videos, do videos. And the reason they do that, the reason they do that over and over and over and over is because there's something in them that they're seeking validation. They're seeking their sense of identity. And the way that they do it is through every like, through every comment, they get more of that necessity in their life, that identity, in their, the, the need for approval. But once that post is over, guess what? They need to do it again 
And so they post another picture and another picture and another picture. And so sometimes addicted to, an addiction to social media oftentimes is revealing a person that deep down in their hearts are not secure in who they are. And so they need approval from the world to validate their existence. Does that make sense? See, the action always of an addiction is always the symptom of a deeper issue inside. And the danger is that the more that you go to that one thing, whatever it is in your life, listen, the enemy is always right there ready to capitalize. In fact, listen to what the verse says. So cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. See, family, what the enemy wants to do in your life and in my life is to entangle us in this addictive behavior to such an extent that then you cannot live the, the life that Christ has envisioned for you. This is why God's word tells us, listen, let us also lay aside every single weight and sin which, so which, which clings so closely. And let us run then with endurance that the race that is set before us. And so here's the reality of addiction, folks. Write this down as letter B. <clears throat> At the outset, addiction is a spiritual issue, right? The moment you start any addictive behavior, it's a spiritual issue. Why? You went to something else other than Christ is a spiritual issue. However, write this down as letter C. Through time, addiction also becomes a psychological issue and a physiological issue. And folks, here is where it gets really complicated. Because now that habitual sin uh, begins to affect your mental state, uh, it becomes to affect your body, what it needs. And so what happens, someone looking in from the outside, maybe you see a family member or friend or whoever, it's easy for someone to say, if you just loved Christ, if you would just trust the Lord, you can just overcome this addiction. And you know, family, part of that is true. But part of that is ignoring the fact that after a while, addiction has become, has changed the chemical reactions of your mind and the physical need. And so that is why addiction in today's day and age is so complicated. And so because addiction can be so complex, I figured today would be good to, to sit down with a, to a counselor. And we, I've reached out to the Wellspring Counseling Center in Miami. They are a partner counseling center with us that we uh, work together in working with people and helping them overcome addictions. And so today I'm going to welcome one of their counselors from Wellspring, and her name is Allegra saunders Sawicki. So guys, can we give it up for Allegra coming out? Hey, Allegra, thanks so much for being here. Give me a hug. Of course. God bless you. Go ahead and sit down with us. Thank you. Hey, can you give her one more time Hi. at all campuses? Yeah. Amen. Wonderful. Well, Allegra, thank you so much uh, for being thanks. here. You know, addiction is such a, a complicated issue, and there's a lot of people out here right now that probably have scars in their life from a past, their own addiction, or even the addiction of someone who was close to them, and they're suffering the consequences of it. So 
It's a complex issue. So thank you again for, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, so you're from Wellspring, right? You're a, a local counseling center. Yep. And, uh, and you guys have been doing such great work. So thanks again for being here. Of course. Thank you all for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it. You know, the topic of addiction, like I said earlier, carries a heavy stigma. Mm -hmm. uh, and people automatically, the moment you say addiction, you think of the big ones, alcoholism and drug abuse and all these different things, right? Which obviously they are very significant and powerful addictions. But the reality is, is that addiction can take many forms. Yeah. You know, it can, it can go into every area, area, almost every area of our lives. And so what are some of the different forms of addictions that may take hold of our life even without us realizing it? Yeah, so we would class those as behavioral addictions. And so that are going to be things like excessive exercise, excessive eating, um, video gaming, watching pornography, sex, um, social media, smartphone, mobile phone, internet addiction. I mean, all of these places, all of these different behaviors that we engage in that in some capacity, and I'll talk about this later, release a little bit of dopamine in our system. Anything that we can go to that can be repetitive and that activates the pleasure reward system in our mind has the capacity to become something that be, is addictive or is addicting. And so, Allegra, if, if, if it can really impact every, I mean, I, I had not even thought of some of the things you said right now. How can we identify in our own lives that we've fallen into an addiction, addictive pattern in our life and, and even the most basic good things? Yeah, so one of the main ways that's, that's just kind of blankets across everything is if it is beginning to interfere with your daily functioning. And that's really just if your social life is impacted, if the relationship with your friends or your family members begins to be impacted, if you can't keep your work commitments, if your family obligations start to fall by the wayside, um, if your material life, so for example, if you are losing money and you're not able to pay rent or you're not able to pay for your car note. So if you start to see impacts across any of those spaces, that's probably a pretty good indicator. Um, a couple other indicators that you can hear are secrecy. So if mm. you notice that you're being more secretive, um, particularly if that's associated with feelings of shame, if you're not telling someone or if this is a behavior that you only want to do when nobody else is looking or mm. when nobody else is around, or you find yourself maybe getting into more conflict and more difficulty with the people around mm. you. And you do that specifically so that you can go off and either engage in the behavior or engage in some type of substance use. Those are pretty good indicators as well. And then some more are defensiveness. Mm. If someone in your family says something to you and you react with being defensive or you're rationalizing constantly. Another really, really easy one is if you find yourself lying or making excuses for things or constantly trying to excuse yourself from different responsibilities, these are all really key indicators that, hey, maybe there is something going on that I need to take a look at. That's really good. You know, I, I, I think for us, especially as you live your life, it's important to, to see when, when your family life is being affected. I, I love the fact that you said when, you know, the moment that there's some sort of secrecy that you, don't, mm -hmm. that you would be embarrassed if people knew how much you did that. I think those are triggers that should be like, okay, maybe there's an issue in my life that I, that I, 
that is a stronger hold on me than I realize. And I love the fact that you talked about being getting defensive. Yeah. You know, I, I heard it once said that <clears throat> the sin that has the strongest grip in your heart is the one that you get most offensive about. Right. You can almost even kind of substitute and say, the addiction in your life that has the strongest hold on you is the one that you get most offensive about. So mm -hmm. if someone ever brings something up to you that they see that they don't see you enough or what's going on and you get defensive about it, that's almost when you have to stop and say, hmm, what's, what's kind of what's going on here? And so right. um, I think it's important for us to have those identifiers in us to be able to, to start looking at that. And, you know, in, in, my, in my teaching, I, I mentioned how addiction starts off, first of all, as a spiritual issue, right? Mm -hmm. There's an issue there that you're not trusting Christ, you're not going to Him, and so you're going to something else. But the reality, it becomes a, after time, it becomes a psychological issue, mm -hmm. and it becomes a physiological issue, which now starts getting ingrained and taking a hold of the way your mind works and the way your body works. And so can, you know, with your expertise, can you help us understand a little bit as to how is it that we, that addictions get a grip on us so tightly. Mm. So I'm going to do a little bit of science. And if you're like a doctor, a neurologist, I'm going to be really bringing this down. Mm -hmm. um, just talking about the basics of the brain. Because when it comes to addiction and addictive behaviors, a lot of this has to do with the way that the brain is registering the cues from the environment, the substance itself, or the behavior itself. And so there's a pleasure reward system that's in our brain that is designed to help us survive. That's its, its purpose. We want to be able to experience pleasure from connecting with our spouses, connecting with our children, um, being in a social or a community setting, because that's how we are able to survive. Also, when we eat or when we procreate, these are all things that are natural, that we're we were created to do these things. And so it's normal for us to release a little bit of dopamine that's associated with those natural ways of experiencing pleasure and reward. Now, addictive behaviors, as well as substances, hijack that system. And so what it does is it, it, they come in and the way that I've actually heard it and I think makes a lot of sense is think of it as taking a shortcut, right? These drugs or the addictive behaviors have the capacity to unleash dopamine at a level that you would not get in an exercise of a normal amount or in a regular encounter that you have with your partner. No, these drugs and these behaviors actually come in and crank up how much dopamine your brain receives and then the body, because it's a learning machine, wants to experience that, saying, oh wow, that was good, that felt great, we need to remember all of the different things. So where was I, what was I doing, um, what were the smells, what was the time of day? For example, when you think of pornography, if someone is constantly engaging in that in their bedroom, it might become really difficult after time because the bedroom now has been conditioned to remind us of this behavior in such a strong way. The brain knows, oh, I'm in this place where I got this dopamine and I want to get that again. The same thing with drugs and alcohol. For example, if someone is using alcohol in a bar every single night or every couple days, if they go back to that bar, you have all of these cues that have been associated with this behavior in the environment. And so what ends up happening is it makes it difficult for us to be able to experience pleasure from other natural ways that mm. we get dopamine. So what 
what used to be sufficient, a run outside, time with our partner, time with our children, no longer brings us that pleasure because we've been getting it somewhere else in a higher dose. And what the brain will actually start to do is decrease how much dopamine it, it produces or it will block the receptors. So that's why when we don't have access to the behavior, or we don't have access to the substance, we're more irritable, we're sad, we're frustrated, we don't have energy, we don't have any motivation, because our brains have been hijacked, and now we kind of are in this cycle of having to seek out that dopamine over and over again. Wow, that's, that's, that's really insightful, because if you think about it, Oftentimes, when, when, when someone gets into an addictive behavior, mm -hmm. they think, well, it's, it's, I'm just getting my little fix. I'm just doing this that I like to do. And without realizing it, it's really affecting how we experience any sort of pleasure or joy in any area of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, what, you know, I actually have heard, as I saw a, a research that, uh, for example, pornography is, is one that's a very, it's a very popular discussion out there that when someone engages in pornography, the, the dopamine that they experience during those times is so high mm -hmm. that then it starts affecting their actual relationship with their husband or wife. Yeah. And so, you know, the big mistake that I think any addict does in, when they get into an addictive behavior is to think, oh, this is just lust. Yeah. I'm just getting my fix, I love doing this. And thinking is not really going to affect my relationships in my life. Mm -hmm. um, which case in point, you know, the, the reality is that when someone's addicted to pornography, inevitably their relationship with their spouse is going to be affected because mm -hmm. it does not produce, it's not reality, right? right? It's not, it's not, it doesn't match what you saw before. It falls short in such a sense, and then, it's, and then there's issues. I mean, would you agree with, with yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And, and so, so reality is, whether it's pornography or anything else, I think what we have to realize is when we allow ourselves to get into any addictive behavior, it not only affects our lives at that moment, mm -hmm. but it has so much impact in every area of our lives because now we don't produce the normal do dopamine to, for us to experience normal happiness, normal yeah. emotions, right? Yeah. And so, you know, thanks for sharing. That's very insightful. And, you know, I think it's evident as we're just listening right now that I think it's evident that we can, including myself, that we can all fall into some, any type of addiction of anything in life, right? So, so as we just live our regular lives, right, mm -hmm. what are some checks or maybe some guardrails that we can establish in our lives mm -hmm. in order to prevent us from ever even teetering with this thing, with, this, with an addictive behavior? So some of the guardrails, and in this one I'm going to just blanket, is developing insight and awareness. That is going to be an incredible guardrail check to help you to know what are my daily patterns? What is it that I do? What are the behaviors that I engage in? What is my relationship with these substances that I either take in or I don't take in? That is going to be a critical piece, is developing that insight and developing that awareness not only about your daily behaviors, but also, as we were sort of listening before in the sermon, 
where are my past traumas? Where are the pains in my life? What are the stressors that are going on in my daily experience from work, from friends, from family? What are my commitments? And how am I managing them? How am I moving forward? How am I practicing taking care of myself in a balanced way? So that's gonna be, in my mind, the most effective and easiest way to be able to, to take account for, am I aware of where I could be maybe pushing myself towards addiction with something that I've been using, or do I have some pretty good checks and balances, and am I remaining balanced in the way that I engage in these different things? Mm. Now, I have some questions for you guys, if you would like, to just ask yourself, if you have been sitting here and you're thinking like, hmm, my smartphone, ooh, yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm on that thing every morning for like an hour or so, or maybe, hmm, I see my kids watching Netflix for like four or five hours on the weekends and three hours a day, and we're thinking, huh, I wonder what's going on here. There are some questions that you can ask yourself to just maybe get a better sense of, is this something that I'm doing with balance or am I relying on this behavior or am I relying on this substance to be able to get me through? And so the first and the, the, the easiest question is, can I stop, can I cut back, or can I curtail what I'm currently using? Am I able to do that? And if the answer is I've tried or it's no, that's a pretty clear indicator. Another question you can ask yourself is, Am I finding myself spending my entire day or more time than I would like to thinking about that behavior, thinking about that substance? Am I spending inappropriate amounts of time thinking about that? Another question that you might wanna ask yourself is, have the people in my life said something to me like, mom, I wish you were just off your phone more. Or like, dad, I wish you would just be present with us when we're at the table for dinner. Or mom, I wish you weren't working so much. Or kiddo, hey, like, can you get off of your video games and join us for family time? Or hey, like, I've noticed that you've been drinking four glasses of wine every single night. Is everything all right? So if you've heard those types of comments from your friends or from your family members, that might be another really clear indicator. Another question you can ask yourself is, am I using this to escape from problems? Am I always picking up my vape? Am I always going to porn? Am I always going to, for example, we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but food addiction. Am I constantly going to like all of those different chips and all of those different things to be able to help me feel better? So am I escaping my problems using a behavior or using a substance? Um, a couple other questions you might want to ask is, is this starting to interfere with my commitments? Hmm. Am I putting off my work obligations, my kiddos, you know, school activities or, or sport activities? Am I not going to social events because I would rather be isolated or be at home hmm. or participate in this act or this behavior or this substance? So is this behavior or is this substance actually starting to interfere with my day-to-day -day life? So those are just some of many questions and you know I have them and I have no problem sharing them with you all but those are some that you can ask yourself if again something has kind of come up in our time here that you're thinking about. Yeah. You know Allegra thank you so much for that because I think 
you know, as, as, as people, you know, who are trying to honor Christ following the Lord, you know, Scripture tells us not to let us get entangled in anything that, that brings us down. And, and so, you know, asking ourselves these healthy questions, you know, especially, I, I love the fact that you're saying, you know, evaluate your daily pattern. What is it that you're going, what is it that you're doing a lot throughout your life or throughout your week? I think it's so important for, for us to stop and and ask and evaluate how much of a hold this, this thing has. And so, you know, someone here today may, may be suffering from, from some sort of addiction, maybe a family member uh, that they know. Uh, if, if they feel like, man, I think I have a problem here, uh, what is their first step? And if, is there any hope that someone could overcome a lot of these addictions in their life? Oh, yeah, there's so much hope. So first, I want to talk to family members. If you're a family member of someone who has, you know, an addiction or has been moving through addiction, my first encouragement to you is that you must care for yourself. You must care for your heart. You must care for yourself. You must be well in order to continue to support, love, and be accountable to that family member. So caring for, the, for yourself is critical if you are a loved one. Now on top of that, there is Al-Anon, and if you've ever been in the world of, of you know, addiction or anything like that, Al-Anon is a self-help support group for folks who are family members of those that are struggling with addiction. So there's definitely resources out there for family members. Now, if you yourself are kind of sitting here and you're like, okay, wow, like something's stirring in me, I'm noticing that maybe there is something in my life that has kind of has a grip on me in a way that doesn't feel good or doesn't feel comfortable, what I would encourage you to do first is to become accountable. You want to become accountable first to yourself next to God, and then to someone who is trusted in your life, whether that's someone on your pastoral team, a mentor, a close, wise friend, or even a clinician or a counselor like myself, becoming accountable is the first step towards being able to move through addiction. The next one is community. We do not receive healing and recovery and restoration outside of community. So whether that's coming to your small group, joining a small group, a men's group, a women's group, there's celebrate recovery groups, which I know Pastor will talk about in a moment, um, a run group, but a group of individuals who can help you be accountable first and foremost to yourself, your goals, but then also to the recovery that affects your entire family. The last piece is support. You want to get support because recovery is not possible siloed. It's not possible by yourself. It must be done with other people. So once you have your accountability, you're in community, engage with someone who is going to help you create a recovery plan. And again, that can be someone like myself, a clinician, it can be a recovery coach, a substance use counselor, or even addiction specialist, a pastor on the leadership team who understands this. But you wanna get support so that you can have a plan for your recovery. And then last, I just want to end with a story. I know it seems scary and I know it seems so dreary, but it is possible. 
when I was working in the county, I had a client of mine who was homeless, you know, substance using, addicted to pornography, all types of things. And we worked together for quite six months or so, got him into housing, got him into shelter. He's in Section 8. And he, by the grace of God, has been substance-free for over a year now. Amen. So it is possible. Amen. And so, you know, I, I think the, the, the most encouraging thing is that even though the enemy wants to entangle, is, entangle us in all these different things, the reality is that when Christ died on the cross, listen, he didn't just die for your singular sins, for even your habitual sins, right? <laughs> and so who the Son sets free, he is free indeed, amen? amen? And so listen, if you're here, you're struggling with addiction, listen, Christ died for you. He's already paid the price for all of your sins. He wants, he's going to help you overcome this, but you've got to take the steps towards that. Yeah. And so I love the fact that you said accountability. Yeah. Listen, church family, you know, we here as pastors, we have our doors open at all campuses for you to speak to us. We have counselors at Wellspring that will also love to speak with you and to help you take steps already there. But also, I love the fact that you said community. Yeah. Because we need people in our lives to surround ourselves. And so, listen, at our, at our church at Christ Fellowship, we have two celebrate recovery groups. One of them is at our West Kendall campus on Tuesday nights. And then uh, one in our Palmetto Bay campus on Wednesday night. And so there's a group of people who come together, uh, a large group of people to worship God, hear from God, you know, fellowship, but at the same time, it's a way to form community with other people who are in, on this journey. And so I want to encourage you, listen, if you're not part of this community, listen, you need to be part of that. Simply go to cfmiami.org slash groups. When you go to that form, select Celebrate Recovery, and someone from that team will be able to, to follow up with you, okay? Well, family, can we give it up for uh, a leg one more time? Thank you so much. You were great, phenomenal. In fact, family, let's go ahead and stand up together at all campuses. And again, thank you so much. You were phenomenal. Thank you so much for all your insight. And uh, I want to encourage us to be back next week as we continue the series. We're going to be talking next week about when we are discouraged, when we are depressed about things, how do we battle that? So be back next week. But let me finish off by praying for us, and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Be praying for us. My Lord God, we are so grateful. That, Lord, when you died on that cross, Father, you, you died to set us free from all sin, even the strongest addictions in our lives. And so, Father, as we move forward, I pray for all of us, Lord, that whatever it is that we're struggling with, let us be sincere with ourselves. Let us acknowledge. And, Father, let us seek the, the help that we need in order to be the people that you're calling us to be. Because you called us not to live in bondage, but in freedom. And so, Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. All right, family, have a great weekend. Love you all.